Welcome in, everybody, uh, to a late night version of the Blue Jay Beat post game podcast. I, I, God, I gotta stop doing that because people listen to this thing whenever the hell they want. <laughs> I act like we're chiming in live or something, thanking like late night listeners who are like half in the bag and got a cigarette hanging from their mouth and stuff. Um, yeah, whenever you're listening to this, welcome in. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, as always. Uh, tonight, my good buddy Jacob Padilla was kind enough to join me. He's always very reliable when I feel like the we're going to blow through the midnight hour because um, we have the same sleep schedule. So he's my uh, nocturnal basketball analyst, I guess, right? Yeah, sure, that works. You can bring me in for the After Dark uh, podcast. That, that's Yeah, you are my After Dark analyst. Like, that's what, that's what that is. Like, I always – you never say no – and then, and then sure. the analysis is always on point. So it is like an, a reliable after dark alternative to normal people. As much as uh, I think the fans wanted me to say no last year, based on the games that I ended up doing. I, I, you know what? It's so funny too, Jacob, because I forgot the the cold streak you went on last year <laughs> when I asked you to do this tonight. I don't. Did you forget it too, or did did uh, I? Uh, I I didn't think uh, like I didn't forget it. I didn't think about it until okay. it started going very poorly. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! They're sitting here down 16. I'm like, there's just no way. So the first the so the first half ended like it was just a shit show the way the first half ended, right? Like it's it looked like SIUE was like getting close to running Creighton out of the gym. I mean, they scored like they scored six six point. It was a six zero run to end the half to make it a twelve point game. It just it was a sloppy end of the half for Creighton, a lot of turnovers um, that led to runouts and stuff. And I was just like, oh, yeah, Jacob was on a serious, like, freezer last year. And I was – and I just thought – I go, now it's probably a good time to, to let everybody know that I <laughs> – that we came to an agreement that you would do the post-game show tonight, not realizing that uh, you have a bit of bad juju attached to you at the moment. So, uh, fortunately, Creighton did – prevail so you won't be in a total downer tonight um thank you ryan Kalkbrenner. yes thank yeah thank you second half defense thank you trey alexander for hitting some big shots late um so yeah let's just i don't know uh i'll just turn it over to you and let you tee off some kind of general analysis to get us kind of rolling here and just give me some of your um primary thoughts on what transpired tonight and what you saw good and bad yeah um I so like I mentioned, I was kind of listening to uh, the start of the game on the radio. I didn't get home until the under twelve timeout, so I missed. I, I didn't get to see the first eight minutes in person, but man, the, the last twelve minutes uh, of the uh, the first half were rough. Just the, the the effort they were getting blown by on defense. They weren't finding a body on the glass. They're just getting beat out for every loose ball. Uh, and they, they, they weren't playing well on their end either. They weren't hitting shots, which is starting to be a little bit of a trend that uh, is worrisome. But um, just everything was going their way, and Creighton wasn't really doing anything. They weren't uh, – it, it, it seemed like they weren't quite all the way in. The, like, just the, the effort didn't really change in the first half, um, despite uh, the way that they were beating them. I mean, at the halftime – uh, SIU at Birdsville had 32 points in the paint and Korean had 30 points total. Like that right there is the, the stat of the first half. And um, it, it, 
start of the second half, it looked like more of the same. They didn't really um, change a whole lot, but um, at, at the 15 minute mark, about, uh, about 15 and a half minutes left is when they pushed the lead to 16 for the last time. Yeah. And then the game completely changed. And obviously there are guys, uh, Trey Alexander had a huge stretch in there. Um, Rod- Roddy under Nico Shreeley's defense um, in spurts there was impactful, um, brought some energy, uh, but, and Ryan Hawkins had a couple of uh, really nice possessions offensively, but the, the key to that entire second half in this turnaround was Ryan Kalkbrenner on both ends of the court. And we see now how impactful he can be on the defensive end, just with his positioning, with his verticality, with his length, his timing. He had five blocks in the second half. And I think that's in the first half, um, he picked up his second. So he did his normal stint. Um, they were plus six. I think they were seven to, they were up seven one mm-hmm. um, right out of the gates with him up there. Um, then he sat down uh, about three minutes and change in uh, kind of a normal sub for Mac came back in and picked up his second foul and was out um, shortly after that and did not play the rest of the half. And they just, there was nobody at the rim to, to, to stem the, the tide and um, the, the perimeter defense was, was lacking in second half. They had their, uh, their back row or their back line there um, that had the rim protection. And that made all the difference in the world. um, uh, Kind of rambling here a little bit. We'll get to kind of what those last uh, 15 and a half minutes actually look like. um, Because, man, the numbers are insane with what they did defensively to finish that game. But that that really is my biggest takeaway, just how impactful Ryan Kalkbrenner was on this game. And and the difference that the first half with him in foul trouble made to the second half. And by the way, he did not commit a foul in the second half. So he finished with two fouls. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, uh, yeah. The, the, the conservation of the fouls kind of backfired a little bit on, on Creighton there, but um, I guess it, it's probably a gamble they'll continue to take though, if he finds himself in early foul trouble because of the impact you've noted here. And then, um, you know, his prior performances in the season, they, they really do have to be at least a little bit cognizant of, of that early um, in order to keep him available late. Um, but just a couple things off of what you noted there. You know, I think the, the one thing that really, really stood out to me um, was their defense at the point of attack was just terrible. I mean, there's not really any way to, like, defend, you know. Like, they weren't getting lit up in ball screens. They weren't really um, – it just, it just, I thought it was just an effort thing. Like they just weren't guarding the ball very well at all. They were, I mean, that's why it, the SIUE was able to get downhill so easily. And, you know, I think it maybe was a little bit of a surprise how good uh, the Cougars were, you know, once they got to the rim, like they, they, like they were fighting in there. They got a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of feisty offensive boards where they just kind of poked the ball out of someone's hands or, or even like wait for a Creighton guy to, to, you know, rise up and grab it first and not necessarily try to hit a body, but just try to poke that ball out and create a little bit of a, a chaos underneath the rim and win the possession that way. But there were a lot of moments like that. So it was a little bit unconventional in that regard. But the, the defense at the point of attack was really disappointing. It, it, you know, that was kind of a 
there's not really any way to sugarcoat that. That's, that's an effort thing. You know, that's a, that's a, are you engaged? Are you focused? Are you locked in uh, type of situation? So I don't know how many times this year we've seen that type of drop off um, on the defensive end in that regard. And then I think because they were, you know, compromised to that degree, I think they were pressing offensively to try to kind of get, get back at the guys who had just kind of blown by them off the drive or finished at the rim or um, kind of gotten the best of them in a hustle play on the defensive end. There was a lot of, like, there were just a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes where, you know, they drive into a drive into traffic, like dribble maybe one or two times too many and get yourself trapped, uh, you know, leave your feet before you know where you're really kind of trying to make that pass. Like, the turnovers kind of mounted up and they weren't really smart, like turnovers you can live with. Like, okay, I kind of see what was going on there. It was still a good read. It was just poor execution. Like it was just kind of a mess of a first half. And you kind of see that, you know, it was a, it was just a lack of attention to detail on Creighton's part more than it was. Um, I mean, you got to credit SIUE. Like they, they pushed the ball in transition. They took advantage of, of some poor shot selection for Creighton. Um, you know, that's the, that's the one thing about like live ball turnovers is live ball turnovers is one thing, but if you're taking poor shots and your defense isn't in, or your, you know, your offense isn't in position to at least leak out to get back in transition. Um, those those kind of like serve to um, fall into that turnover category as well, because yeah. you're initiating the other team's transition offense and you're making it really hard for your, defense to get back and, and cover that up um on that on that primary break so i don't know it was just kind of a mess um yeah in the, it was a mess in the, in the details were really messy for creighton in the first half and that's why they find themselves in a pretty big hole i think like they just yeah all the and, things they kind of have to hang their hat on from a fundamental standpoint weren't there and, and that contributes to the 32 to 14 edge and paint points in the yes. first half is when yes. you are live ball turnovers you're getting runouts you're getting two-on-ones you're getting easy layups at the rim in transition and uh first half turnovers were 10 to 4 uh and those 10 those 10 turnovers led to 13 points the other way uh siu uh four turnovers led to five points for creighton so that's plus eight points there just off of turnovers and then in the second chance they had seven offensive rebounds for 10 second chance points yeah crane actually had six offensive rebounds but got two points off them Right. So those are the two categories there where that's where they were really able to uh, build up a, uh, an advantage there because they, they were one of seven from three in the first half. Creighton was only four or 14, so that's not good either, but they at least hit mm-hmm. a few of them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a team bombing out like Colorado State. It was going to the rim time and time again. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, and the, honestly, like I was kind of curious to see how Creighton came out in the second half because, I don't know, we've, we've seen that movie before already this season maybe not to that degree of where you feel like all right Creighton's not engaged in the defensive end and they're kind of paying for it a little bit um normally one end of the floor that's struggled and kind of gotten them into hole a little bit of a hole has been the you know inconsistency on the offensive end where they just hit a shooting funk or you know turn the ball over a little bit too much and um and then the other team is able to just kind of build the lead a little bit this one felt a little bit different because Creighton was getting kind of, I don't know, almost run out of the gym a little bit. Like SIUE had a really 
just just kept attacking, kept breaking them down, oh. kept, kept attacking in transition, um, kept attacking them off the bounce and and creating mismatches. I mean, there was a few times like Creighton, they, you know, they cross screened a lot in the first half in the in the paint, you know, that kind of that midline area and got mismatches that way that they could attack inside. Um, you know, there was just a really well executed first half from SIUE standpoint and not really any counters from Creighton standpoint. I think they had one stretch like midway through maybe after that under eight where I think Alex O'Connell made a couple big plays to kind of give Creighton a three point lead um, before SIUE, you know, got it back to, uh, you know, got back up by three, I think. And then the turnover started to become a bugaboo again for Creighton and the lead balloon to 12. But the second half was interesting because, uh, you know, you're going to look at this in, a, in totality and see that Creighton outscored him 40 to 23. And that's it. And it's going to, you're going to be, you're going to highlight this in a second, but it's, it's really staggering when you break it down because um, the Cougars scored on their first eight possessions of the half out of the well, locker room. Yeah. yeah. Like their first eight, they scored on all of them. And then they only yeah. scored, and they only scored on four of their next like twenty-one to end the game. It was it was insane how it fell off real quick. Well, and see the thing is like, so in the first half we thought it was a lot of bad defense, it was a lot of Olay to the rim, a lot of yeah. uh, extra effort for the putbacks. I thought the start of the second half. That's the problem when you let the team get confidence. Exactly. I thought they hit some tough shots during that. It wasn't all layups and easy ones. There, they hit a lot of the in between, the pull ups, the the kind of contested little eight foot jumpers like that stuff's not easy, Yeah. but they were hitting every single one of them. And that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. When you let a team get confidence, you let a team build up a lead and and they're feeling good about themselves. And they're like, all right, the shot's going in when it's leaving my hand. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's not the start you wanted. They Creighton started to play a little bit better offensively. Yeah. Let let me stop you right there real quick. Cause was that, was that the encouraging part for you? Was that Creighton started to really score? really efficiently like they were executing well on the offensive end they weren't turning it over they were getting high percentage looks and they were converting well like i know you don't want to trade buckets with a team that's got a double digit lead at that point but did you feel like if if someone's going to go cold um it was going to be siue first because the crowd was starting to get engaged off of creighton's buckets a little bit did you feel that at all yeah and i mean you look at it you look at all the jump or all the points they were mostly inside looks. They were getting mm-hmm. the ball to their guys in the post, Kalkbrenner, Hawkins, uh, Kaluma, all, all in interior buckets mm-hmm. during the start of the, that second half. So they were, and that's, you look at the, that starting lineup and you talked about kind of the perimeter defense and not being up to snuff in the first half. And that is kind of part of the worry with this, this starting lineup. And we saw Mac went to, a lot more of the kind of three guard, the, the two point guard type looks in the second half. And I think that was a lot for defensive purposes. Um, in the, the first half, I thought they, there was just, uh, there wasn't enough of feeding, getting the ball inside, uh, spacing the floor that way and uh, kind of playing inside out. Because when you've got Hawkins and uh, Klum out there on the perimeter, there, a lot of times those guys aren't going to create advantages off the bounce which leads to AOC isn't a great off the bounce player either like he, he's a good advantage score you can attack a closeout but he doesn't have an advanced handle so that leads to Ryan Nemhart having to dribble the ball too much and that's where, where you lead to the turnovers there 
so I, I think the, the the lineups are still he's still kind of figuring that out, and he's decided uh, Mac has decided that it's worth kind of working through the uh, the kinks with this lineup because of he believes in the upside of it and the upside of the players involved uh, and the need to keep uh, Hawkins and Kluma both uh, on, on the court. Um, but that that's if that's going to be the case, that's got to be what you're doing is you're spacing the floor, you're moving it through the air and you're looking to feed the ball inside and then play off of that, as opposed to getting the ball out on the perimeter and trying to make plays off the dribble. Um, so I, I like that shift to start the second half. Um, I, I thought that that helped them get going a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you started seeing some of the guys, the, the bench guards mix in and changing things up a little bit after that. Yeah. I don't know at what point I felt like the game was, turning but so it did it did it did did happen in that stretch where siu was still scoring like i kind of felt like creighton had figured things out and you've and we've seen them now already in this short seven game sample like when they start clicking offensively and they're not turning the ball over and they're getting good looks like we've seen them sustain that for a long stretch and i felt like all right if like siu is not going to score at this rate the rest of the way. Um, so eventually like this thing's going to narrow down a little bit. It was all kind of like a race to, in my opinion, it was a race to the under four. Like if Creighton could get to the under four with it and be within two possessions, they're looking good. If they're at the under four and it's still kind of in that eight to 10 range, that's a bit of an uphill battle. You almost have to be perfect at that point, in my opinion. So I think it was kind of like, the, just the way it was trending, it was like, all right, Creighton feels like they're going to get themselves back in this game. Like, it's going to come down to single digits pretty soon. Um, it was all about when they could cut it to a, a two-possession game. Like, how much how much time would be left on the clock when they got it to that point? Because at yeah. that point, because then you can kind of ride the crowd for some momentum, and then you can just you're just you're just two plays away on both. Of, you're a stop score stop from either tying the game or taking the lead. So. That's kind of what yeah. I was looking for. I think kind of where it really started was with Kalkbrenner and this little stretch here I kind of marked down is he had a strong move in the post and got fouled, uh, split the two free throws. Then O'Connell dropped an absolute dime to him for the dunk. Oh, uh, you remember that pass? Oh, yes. Whew. Hold on a minute. Can, <laughs> we, can, we, can, we, can we widen the scope here a little bit? How good is Alex O'Connell at feeding the post? I, I I don't I have not I don't know he might be the best post entry passer since Gibbs like he is really good at like hitting guys on the cut where they don't have to slow the momentum that like perfect time that's exactly yes. the timing was absolutely perfect yes. through a tight window it was a bullet pass like he could not have if he had missed that on either way then Cockburn is either dropping it or the defender is getting a hand on it like he yeah. put that perfect place. And for, for guys like for guys like Ryan Hawkins and Ryan Kalkbrenner, who are really good at just like if you hit them at the right spot, like hands high, everything, like they don't need much extra effort after that to score. Like he is really good at that. I mean, that's an and, underrated and, skill because he's gonna steal like six to eight points a night for the Jays off just like those just just hitting some accurate post entries, you know? Well, and it wasn't even necessarily a post entry. He hit him on the move. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's what was so impressive about it. Just the timing. It wasn't, he didn't have uh, him, the defender seal with the hand up 
he hit him as he was diving towards yep. the rim where he could catch, turn, and finish in one motion. Yeah, it was a tight um, window. I remember he squeezed it in there. I'm like, and it's just, I, I, I've been tallying that up because like, he made a few of those tight passes um, when they were in the Virgin Islands that weekend. So, like last weekend. So, like, this, that's a legit skill of his. Like, he is an incredible, like, passer at hitting moving targets in scoring pockets. Like, he's really good at that. So, yeah, sorry, yeah. To, sorry to interrupt your point, so, but, yeah, that was a big oh. play for sure. So, yeah, so the caulk free throw, then a caulk dunk, and then he uh, caulk runner block that led to the Trey Alexander kind of run out and one that cut the deficit down to nine. That and then, yeah. then they uh, got the ball into Hawkins for a, a post up, and he drew a foul and hit both. Um, so now it's down to uh, down to uh, seven, I believe, at that point. And that's, yeah, that's Trey, when I started. Trey's and one, Trey's and one was a big crowd moment. Like the crowd really, really roared when he hit that shot because that was a tough, that was a tough finish. Yeah, and, and then Kalkbrenner kind of. I was feeling pretty good at that point, and then Kalkbrenner yeah. um, subbed out. So I was like, all right, can they survive with Kalkbrenner on the bench here? Yeah. And uh, they kind of did. They were they're trading water there for a little bit. Uh, I confidence. They went, they went, they went small while he was out. They went. They went. They didn't go with the true, like the, it wasn't, I don't think it was Keyshawn at the five at that point. Uh, yeah, no, Keyshawn subbed in for him. Um, okay. They yeah. did go small for a second there when they were coming back, though. Didn't yeah. they? Uh, or was that in the first half where they went small? There was a point in the game where Keyshawn and Ryan were both off the floor. I don't I can't, now I can't remember which one when it was. It might have been the first half. Yeah, well, so yeah, they, was, they were, yeah, it was the first half. You're, okay. Bad. So actually, Kalkbrenner was out for like a minute. Like, uh, yeah, they went back to him. So they were out for, yeah, like two minutes and then yeah. went right back to him. Um, so he played 18 minutes in the second half. That was his only time on the bench. Really? Which, yeah, that, that was – Well, Mac understood what was going on. and He, he got so, enough rest in the first half. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> but props to Ryan. Like, that's – I don't – I mean, I, I'd have to imagine that he's never played 18 minutes and a half before. Yeah. I can't really, off the top of my head, remember him playing that extended minutes. And the, the effort, the impact he made right down to the very end, that was impressive. But anyway, so um, kind of going on, I felt like there were some big missed opportunities in there. And that's kind of where I was like, well, are they actually going to get over the hump? Because mm -hmm. um, they had the... Nemard missed layup and the uh, Kalkbrenner missed putback dunk that would have cut it to two. Yeah, and then SIUE goes down and hits two free throws the other way with like six and change to go. Yeah, those then, were those were point Blake misses. I mean, yeah, I mean Ryan then, had his hands and the ball on the yeah. rim, like yeah, yeah, just and then uh, Nemhard, good look from three missed that would have cut it to one, mm -hmm. and then SIUE has a tough finish on the other end, and then Roddy missed his three um yeah so, wide, up, wide open in the corner yep yeah so it's like those moments you're like uh man it, it could that be the game slipping away right there they mm -hmm. had a chance to 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 kind of really put the pressure on siue and they missed theirs and they went down and scored the other way but they they stuck at it they're stuck uh stuck with it kept uh chipping away and um then kind of hawkins had some big plays there he had the, kind of the post up and under move that was just a beautiful post move um trey alexander had that block in there um and then hawkins had the kick to, to trey in the corner for the three um and, and then uh, trey had that tough bucket late in, in the shot clock 
uh, to give them the lead finally with two minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, all right, this, they got this now. That, it was kind of at that moment you're like, all right, they're, they're going to do this. Because um, they had finally gotten over that hump. They had, they had come up short uh, the, the previous two, three chances to, to really take control of the game. Uh, and then they were finally able to do it at that point. Yeah. You know what? I, I do have to say, like, SIUE had chances both to tie it and, you know, to get to, to punch back late after that sequence. Yeah. <laughs> For the life of me, I do, understand, do not understand. Like, first of all, um, who's number 11? <laughs> uh, Courtney Carter. Courtney Carter, had, someone, there was a miscommunication defensively for Creighton. It was kind of in the, it was kind of in the run of play a little bit. Um, but he had a wide open step in three that would have tied the game. And he froze like he didn't take it. And SIU, he settled for a shot at the rim on Kalkbenner in that possession that did not go well at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the second time down, they attacked Kalkbenner again. I'm just like, yeah. What have you not been paying attention okay. to the last 15 minutes? Like you, why are, why would you need buckets? Are you going at the seven footer who's been taking you just to taking you to lunch down there? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I don't understand. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to uh, the numbers there. Um, that kind of leads me right into that. So I, I calculated, so they had the bucket to go up 16 with 15 minutes and 33 seconds left. Yeah. They had 23 possessions after that. Yep. They scored on five of them. Five. They yeah. were two and scored nine. Jays outscored them 30 to nine over that 15 and a half. 30 to nine. 30 to yes. nine. Yeah. They were two of 18 from the field, 0 of seven from the three point line, mm. five of six from the free throw line. They had eight turnovers. Six of them were steals, and two of them were the shot clock violations at Creighton Force. Seven of those 16 missed shots were Creighton blocks. That's crazy. Five of them were by Ryan Kalkbrenner. That's and then crazy. you mentioned at the very end, he, he got the block and then he got the altered shot where the guy had to put it long over the backboard because yeah. he's trying to uh, contest. So that's where, yeah, he didn't necessarily like, because Ryan will come out of games where he's blocked where he has one, maybe two blocks. And it feel like, well, it felt like he, he got more than that. He doesn't always necessarily get credit for every shot he, he alters around the basket. And that was one where, that dude missed that shot because that's Ryan Kaufbrender there and he's been swatting everything. It's a seven footer and you got to, you got to put a little extra on it to try to get over the top and um, try to rush it up there before he can pin it. And the guy just just missed it off the glass. What's he averaging for blocks now this season? That's two, that's back-to-back games with five, isn't it? it That that will uh, certainly um, skew the numbers a little bit, but he is averaging just two a game. Really? So he had twelve. He had twelve blocks in six games heading into tonight. Okay, so he's at. So he's a little bit higher than that now. He's almost. At, so he's almost at three, basically. The so, seventeen, yeah, the one, 17, yeah. 17 blocks through seven games. That's what's that? Two point four blocks. Two point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow that that does not feel like that's accurate. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, or it, it like maybe not. Okay, that's probably the wrong word, but like it doesn't feel like it's fully telling the story of how like you said impactful he is at just making it tough for teams to score at the rim on Creighton when he's on the floor yeah correct because like that's I've noticed it two three times uh he made a big difference in the Nebraska game yes um 
They were, uh, they were sub 40% at the rim in that game. And, and you see what Derek Walker has done since that game. Double yeah. figures every hardly, single game. Yeah, hardly missed, right? He's missed two shots yeah. total in the last four games. It's been double figures every single game. Yeah. Um, he was one to three uh, against Creighton, and that right. was because of Kalkbrenner. Um, it was also because he didn't get as many touches, but yeah, Kalk- it was because was of Kalkbrenner and Alonzo Verge. It was because of Alonzo Verge and Kalkbrenner. <laughs> yeah. Combination of this uh, one. Um, yeah, so hit his block percentage is at nine point one percent before tonight. Uh, yeah, so that's that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, he's on the he's on the Romaro Gill trajectory for defensive player of the year because he's just hard to score at the rim, right? The three three and a half blocks per forty before tonight. So yeah, he's uh, that that again that. Was just like the, the the finish to that game was just unreal. It didn't quite feel like that as the game was going on because of kind of the pressure and being down so much. And yeah, again, a couple of those moments where it felt like you they weren't going to get over the hump. But kind of looking back now, that is, it just makes it so obviously. Kalkbrenner is the biggest difference between the first half and the second half. But I mean, O'Connell had some really good defensive plays. Again, we mentioned. Andre Nikashvili uh, had a couple of steals in that stretch and just generally pestered their ball handlers. Trey Alexander did a good job. Where was this kind of ball pressure and uh, uh, intensity in the first half? Yeah, so it's like that's kind of what you're going to see with this team, though, right? Because it is going to be it's going to be long stretches of it's going to be like long stretches of good and long stretches of bad and like that's kind of just the wave you're going to have to ride with this like group that has to deal with this you know there's a youth movement on the roster but and then even with your veterans like there's an inexperience factor to their to their uh you know what what you know their presence right because ryan hawkins is at the d1 level for the first time in his career although he's doing just like it doesn't look like it's bothering him. Um, He's so good, man. <laughs> oh, dude! Like I, that's what I was gonna, I was going to lead into it for a second. But I mean, let's let me just hammer this point home first, real quick, because you brought it up. Yeah. It's just it's just kind of going to be the way things are for. I mean, it might be the whole season. It might be like uh, you know, I know that people probably don't want to hear that, um, and maybe they don't even want to experience it. Secondly, because it's just very stressful. I imagine. <laughs> um, but it's just like it's just kind of like it's part of the growth process to like greatness. Like the you know, when you look at the 1920 and 2021 teams that won the big east title and made it to the Space 16, like that path was paved with like it was bumpy at first. Like it just they how many games did that 1819 team have where um, you know, they're leading them with four minutes to go and they cough it up. Like how many <sighs> times did, I mean, I, I, like they, they, it was almost like they invented ways to lose, like missed free throws, yeah. turnovers, like pick sixes, just all kinds of like, where's your grit type plays. Right. You know, like just learning how to be mentally tough, fundamentally sound, and then close the show when you're, when it's time to close the show. Right. Like that, those were hard lessons learned that year. And it just, it's, it's, it's part of the process. Like, so like, I know that there's some 
red flags all over this team right now who's sitting at like six and one. Um, and they've been in dogfights with Kennesaw State, Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, SIU Edwardsville. And you're just like, uh, that doesn't bode well for the Big East, right? Like, but yeah, it's just like it's 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 just part of it. Like it doesn't yeah. all correlate to a five point win over SIU Edwardsville means that Georgetown's gonna win by 20 in both matchups. Like it's just it's just it's all part of the like the the process. Like it's just the, the, it's, it's, it's gonna yeah. be like that. The key is whether or not they're able to learn from these games yes. and find a way because they're not going to be able to, to make these comebacks that they made against both SIU schools. Um, like those comebacks aren't going to come as easily in, in right. the Big East. Like Crane can't afford to dig itself that big of a hole. You're not going to be able to win this thing in the last eight minutes like SIU. You're not going to be able to shut a team down completely for 15 straight minutes like you did to, uh, against Edwardsville. Like, that's like an, not, certainly not enough of them yeah. to be like successful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you win a game like that, but you, it's can't be, this is now twice in what, two games that it, it's happened. It's back-to-back games, right? That's how you. Yeah. It's kind of been, it's kind of been a thing yeah. for all the games, honestly, except for that's, Brown. That's true. Brown's yeah. the only one that never, that never, they, they never relinquished control of it once they got it. Yeah. And that's the game that you kind of felt like, okay, so they, they, they had figured some things out in those first few games. Like, obviously it's going to be a learning, uh, learning process here. Then you saw them kind of things click against that Brown team. You're like, all right, now they figured some things out. And then the Colorado state happens and you could kind of chuck that up to some fluky shooting, whatever, obviously 23s, which is more than they made in the other games combined down there. Yeah. But then the, when they attempted Jacob. Yeah. That's yeah. (laughs) And, And well, Combined between they, they yeah they, combined I got you but it's like when you look at they made twenty against Creighton, they were nine of thirty eight in the other two games yes uh, I yeah. believe it was um but then the the Southern Illinois game happened and it's another mm-hmm. game where the other Southern Illinois looked like the better team for stretches of that game where which is does not bode well for the future if they are unable to learn from it that's yeah. that's going to be the key about this team can they learn from their mistakes mm-hmm. can they understand all right this is what put us in this situation. We don't want to be in this situation. What do we need to do to prevent that from happening consistently? Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Ryan Hawkins. because We were both kind of gushing there for a second. Um, Dude had five steals. Five, yeah, like, so here's the, here's the one of the, I was just looking this up a little bit. Tonight, and two blocks, like, five steals and two blocks. Yeah. So you're you're like your primary like stat sheet stuffing stats are points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, right? Um, Ryan Hawkins has led Creighton in scoring uh, once. He led him in scoring the night with 14. Um, he's led him in rebounding five times, including tonight in seven games, including tonight. Um, he led them in assists twice in seven games. He's let him in steals once tonight with five. Um, that's just insane. Like he's, he is, he he he's led them in three pointers. Yeah, multiple times. But he's just like he's just finding ways to impact the game in many different areas. Like I don't know what I don't know what I fully expected out of him. Like I thought there was going to be some type of. Uh, transition to d1 being yes. you know exposing some parts of his game right um 
And there's been a little bit of that. Obviously, the shooting kind of transition that took a, a few games. And defensively, while he's made a lot of impact and made a lot of impact plays and been around, he also has given up some buckets. Uh, no, our buddy yeah. Robbie, uh, Robbie Lula's first uh, uh, first reaction was like, "Man, is this guy slow?" Um, yeah, well, part of that he, is he was really worried about. Him. Part of that is he's playing out of position defensively. Yeah. So like, there's yeah. there's an element of like you kind of got to give him a little bit of a leash there, but that's that's fair. Um, and a couple. He, so I went I went to the uh, what was it the um, what's that game I went to. Uh, um, which one did you? I don't know which one did you go to? Kansas State. Yeah, that that was correct, and that's the game where he uh he didn't score very well inside of the arc. There was a couple rush shots, like there was a, a floater, a bad kind of out of control attack to the basket. Yeah. I think that was kind of part of that transitioning to figuring out. Yeah, he um, was like not being too sped up. For, he was one for nine before hitting yeah. that post up bucket late. So yeah, that yes. was a, that was a rough shoot. It, and a couple of the and a couple of the misses again around the basket three three pointers were whatever but a couple of those misses around the basket were kind of kind of ugly so I think that was a little bit of the the transition but man even even in that game again they went to him on the biggest possession of the game and he delivered mm-hmm. despite having an awful game offensively he was there yeah. in the clutch and yeah. he's continued to make little plays in every game stuff in the stat sheet doing a little bit of everything. And then, and the, you know, then he went, then in, in Lincoln, like when he, you know, couldn't buy a bucket the first uh, two games of the year. I mean, his offensive rebound, his activity on the glass, he had big shots to just, you know, stem Nebraska's momentum to build Creighton's second half lead to close that game. Um, like he's it, just, his impact. I don't, I don't know if I expected him to impact the game in this, in this many ways this early in the season. Like I'm really impressed. Yeah. See, Obviously, we, we had a bunch of conversations about this team heading into the year and wondering, like, who was going to lead the team in scoring? Who was going to be the, the, the best yeah. player? Who was all – Yeah. Like, he had he was, no idea. Yeah. I, I, like, I kind of felt like I, just almost out of default, I kind of started – like, I think this guy could end up being their most important player. Um, well, there's, that's for sure. And just – and he's, I basically lived up to everything. Like, cause you, you got to see a little bit more of him than I did, but just kind of talking to people that, uh, that play that saw him, uh, played against him at the D2 level. Um, like just absolute rave reviews from everybody I talked to that knew him before he got to Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then hearing from you, it's like, you're like, yeah, this guy's going to be really important. Um, and so I kind of felt pretty good. Like I felt like he was going to be one of the, the key players to this team. And um, I, I think he's pretty much living up to that. Yeah, like we were, we were talking, um, just like kind of courtside tonight as we were getting our stuff together at the, at the end. Like, uh, they could be zero and seven without Ryan Hawkins, legitimately. If you just like, if you look at how all these games have played out, and then remove Ryan Hawkins from them, like the plays he's made, um to help them win, to help them build leads, to help them get back in games. Like they might like if that, if that, if he just, if he transfers anywhere else, they might be staring at 0 and 7. Like, yeah, I understand they'll fill that role with someone else. Sure. But like when you consider when he was added and what was left available, you know, 
in the event go somewhere else. That was a major, major recruiting win because they're six and one right now. And I'm telling you, they're not far from zero and seven, one and six without him. Well, because basically, if if he's if you don't get him, maybe you get some another high level like power forward. But otherwise, you're kind of relying on Kaluma to be that guy from day one. Whereas right now. I, I feel like this was a pretty good Kaluma game. Um, he had yeah. some really nice stretches in this game. You're right. He's kind of he's kind of a luxury on this team where you feel like um, it's like I don't really know how to describe it. Like I I don't know that I go in thinking, all right, he has to have a great game for them to win. Yeah, uh, that's a good way like, to put it. Like he, you're not you don't feel like you're reliant on Arthur being yeah. like a top fifty recruit. Yeah. In order for Creighton to be successful, you kind of feel like. If he makes some plays and doesn't turn the ball over and commit silly fouls, like they'll be good to go. Yeah. And like whatever you get from him, is going to be a nice real bonus to kind of push them over the top. Yeah. Whereas you need kind of more steady production each game from a lot of other guys, including uh, obviously Ryan Nemhard, considering how much he touches the ball. He's kind of the, the one freshman that is emer- like Trey and uh, Arthur were higher rated recruits, but in the role that Ryan is and where he is in his development as a player, it, I just kind of view them differently. So, well, especially with Sharif injured yeah. and Roddy trying to come back yeah. from the ACL, like, yep. yeah. So I like I feel like it could be even. Or kind of my point is, it, I feel like it could be. It would be even more of a roller coaster ride if you had to play Kaluma thirty minutes as the featured starting four, and then maybe does Ryan Miller get to redshirt if Mason uh, um, if. I said Ryan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too many Ryans in this program. There are a lot of Ryans. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you might need to rely on him before he's ready. You might need to rely on Kluma to be more than he's ready for if you didn't yeah. get uh, Hawkins as kind of the rock for this team. So yeah, his addition was huge and um, really fortunate timing and ever for everything to come together there it's a great job by the staff but also it's a guy that just happened to really want to come play for Creighton yeah. um sometimes good thing, you he, good really thing he was a great good thing he was a Creighton fan so yeah yeah um well, had, had, had good taste growing up in Atlantic that's true that's true uh one more senior we should highlight before we get to questions like Alex O'Connell um, was plus 19 tonight as uh, the highest plus minus of any player in this game. Um, he played 30 minutes at 11 points, three assists, no turnovers, one steal, three rebounds was two of five from three. Um, you know, he got Creighton into the game with a nice alley-oop dunk and transition, a good floater in the, in the lane. And then when, when, when SIUE first hit Creighton with their like big run in the first half, that kind of gave them control of the game at first. You know, Alex comes in off the bench again after his first uh, after his first uh, rest, and you know hits a three pointer, gets fouled, hits the free throw, four point play was big for momentum. You got the crowd involved for you know one of the first times in the game really uh, after SIU he took over. Um, so he you know he he made timely plays even though the scoring. You know, I, I you know I think the one thing with Alex is like you're kind of waiting for him to get off to a hot start and sustain it. Like he gets, yeah, he'll, he'll he's able to score in bunches, and then it just kind of stops. So and, that's and that, that's game, part that's part of him kind of growing into a role where he's relied on, right? Like, you yeah. know, normally in the roles he's played in the past, like he can come in and score 
you know, hit two or hit two or three buckets, yeah. two or three buckets hit, you know, like you said, hit four shots. And like, that's a good night. Like you're good to go. And he, he's not getting Tonight, back in. So like the, now with the role he's in right now, he's got to like, he's got to, once he gets hot, he's got to keep going, you know? Yeah. So. And he, I, I believe he hit four of his first six shots tonight yeah. for those 11 points, mm-hmm. then missed three shots in a row. And I think he got subbed out after a stretch. And a couple of those were some tough shots in there. He didn't take a shot the rest of the game. He finished with that four, but not nine from the field. Yeah. Uh, but he was part of that, that defensive turnaround in the second yes, half. Was, for, for sure. sure. And, and that's the other part of it, too, is like he's being asked to be a two-way impact player for the first time in his career, too. That takes a lot of energy away from his offense. So, you know, with him, it's like he's talked about it this year. Like, he's just – on the offensive end, he's trying not to force things in order to make mistakes um, because he knows he's got a lot of attention. Like, he has to be locked in on the defensive end, so he doesn't want it to over or, like, yeah. counteract itself. Like, he doesn't want to be costing the team possessions on the offensive end while he's trying to lock in on the defensive end and just be a net, you know, a net neutral, like that's kind of his mindset. But I think once he gets, as he gets more comfortable, you know, we might see his, his scoring stretches widen out a little bit. Um, Cause he is capable of like heating up and kind of, you know, stealing. I think he had a seven Oh run in the first half uh, to help Creighton get back in the game on his own. Like they had a nine, two run. I think he scored the last seven of that. So. He's, he's kind of capable of doing that. He just has this kind of a – if you were to string two halves of that together, like that's, a that's you know, that's kind of the scoring wing they've been looking for for this team right now. Yeah. Uh, Rayshon Taylor for SIU, he had 17 points on 8 of 23 shooting and did not attempt a free throw. No, right. Yeah, was, I, I, I don't know. Uh, he was out of control. <laughs> I was going to say, you'd have to go back and look to see, like, all right, who was Alex guarding when? But I assume that he was part of that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, Ryan Nemhard guarded him a lot too, and uh, so did Trey Alexander. Uh, Taylor was their point guard, so um, he was their primary uh, facilitator. Um, but also, but the but the like you know the disparity of Alex was on the floor for fifty fifty possessions tonight, um, and Creighton averaged one point two points per possession when he was on the floor, and defensively they only gave up. Uh, 0.77 when he was off the floor they scored 0.7 points per possession and gave up 1.7 points per possession so there was like a there was a big disparity on both ends of the floor when Alex was on the bench so you know those two seniors um that Creighton that these these young guys are only going to get to play with them for a year that's the thing about this is like they they've like their maturation has to coincide with these guys wrapping up their careers because Alex O'Connell and, and Ryan Hawkins are done after this year. And they're also carrying a pretty big load right now in terms of how Creighton's able to win games because you yeah. can't take them off the floor. They're that valuable. And that's going to be the fascinating thing about this team and how quickly those freshmen can come along is because you are on this timeline where these guys are really important. They, they came here for a reason. This is their year. Yeah. And it's going to be up to those young guys whether or not Creighton can compete. Can yeah. they get up to the level where they need to be? Can they improve as the season goes on? That It's going to be a race to, all right, these guys clearing the level that they need to get to in order for Creighton to accomplish its goals to, mm-hmm. to, to meet up with the, those seniors. And obviously Alex has to continue to um, grow, as you mentioned as well. Ryan's got to continue to 
um, adjust to Division One basketball and all that. But because he hasn't hit the high major, he's played one high major game so far. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different once it gets in the Big East. But yeah, it's going to be that's going to be yeah, the thing to try. I'll give him two Nebraska and Colorado State. I'll give him two high major games. Well, Colorado, I mean Mountain West. That's kind of. Uh, to do that team is good. That's high major. It's that's it's a good team, but yeah. yeah. If we're trading high majors, I'm giving I'm giving I'm taking Colorado State. You can have Nebraska. Like <laughs> I don't care if they got the Big Ten attached to their uniform or not. Um yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Like they're they're like it's funny because like the di- the dynamic of this team is like some of these dudes have their whole career ahead of them. Some of them like the window's closing. Yeah, you know, so they are going to kind of – they're going to hit a crossroads at some point where the young guys kind of have to meet, you know, have to raise their level to that at some point. Because, you know, Mac alluded tonight kind of like as a passing comment as part of a larger answer to something else was that like – like Ryan Hawkins is making a huge impact right now, but they're also putting the stuff on film <laughs> – so opponents are going to start taking away these tendencies, right? So, like, right now you're super reliant on, you know, Hawkins, O'Connell, and Kalkbrenner to make, like, to carry so this big of a load. Um, eventually teams are going to start countering that. And it might start soon, like this week. Yeah. So that's where you – that's where some of these young guys are going to have to be ready to make plays when – options a b and c are taken away i think that's like that's what traded on the stretch like that, that's why it's big for Trey to make the plays he made you know like especially after how much he struggled early in the game because yes. he was having a rough one stepped exactly. on the sideline twice what didn't make a shot um yeah he was having a rough one and turn around and make two of the biggest plays three of the biggest plays of the game blocking that three-pointer too mm-hmm. um like that credit to him like that's that's not easy for a freshman to kind of like, all right, well, I, I made some mistakes in this game, but I'm putting that behind me and I'm going to step up here with the game on the line. And for Mac to have trust and have him in the game in that moment says a lot about him as well. Yeah, for sure. Let's jump into questions now before we uh, go to bed like normal people. <laughs> I think we got some provocative ones. Although I did see one was like, that's kind of been asked like 50 times already. So we'll see how we approach that. It hasn't been asked of you 50 times. So how about that? It'll be new and fresh for you. Are you talking about the goldfish question? No, <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> Maybe we should start there. Should we start with the question that's been asked a thousand times or the goldfish question? And just go in order. Which one do you want? Go wherever you want. Oh, make me choose your, your, your podcast. Yeah, let's just start backwards. So, um, in your mentions, yeah, that's true. Um, Danny Sullivan wants to know once Sharif is healthy, what opportunities do you see for Roddy to develop a more consistent role on this team? Um, so that's that's one question. He has two questions. So, that's the first one. That's the well, one that's been asked a lot. So, and uh, so uh, I'll just, I'll just uh, let you give your on. take on that because I've given mine. Well, well, we'll pair with that. Um, somebody else, uh, at Booker Wood Foxes. Um, terrific name there. Uh, also, as Roddy looked much more in control this game, defensive passing, yeah. has he found his role in the rotation going forward? Yeah. So, first, my first reaction is I definitely, it, he definitely looked different out there. Like, I, it felt like when he got his opportunities in the first few games, 
he was he wasn't totally sure like he was kind of trying to figure out all right what should i be doing out here um in this game it looked like he bought it and like all right i'm going to harass the heck out of whoever has the ball um i'm gonna go full out and however long i'm gonna be out on the court uh getting up in their faces defensively and that's gonna be my impact and he was he played him a lot with ryan emhart as well which i think probably helped him a little bit too he's like all right just pass the ball up to 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 Roddy and or to R2 and let him go to work and then Roddy can go out to the wing and um, not necessarily be asked with facilitating the offense by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that kind of helped him settle in a little bit. Um, and that is, especially as Sharif works through this injury, um, obviously um, if you listen to this, you watch the game or at least paid somewhat attention to know that Sharif did not play and he hasn't really done anything since they got back from the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Max said before the game is just a combination of all the stuff that uh, limited him throughout the offseason, the growing the foot, just kind of all of it. He just isn't feeling great right now. So that's something that I don't know when it's going to go away, if it will go away. So this could be a deal where we don't know when Sharif will be back. We don't know how much he'll be able to play um, until that is totally cleared up and when that's going to happen. So and with the guy who plays like he plays too, that's not a good injury to have to like oh, navigate. I, I have to say, I was terrified every second he was on the floor down there with how slick those courts were. Oh like, yeah, Jesus. With his game big, his game is all change of direction on both yeah. ends of the floor. Yeah. And I was like, please, please don't slip. Please don't slip. Please don't tear something. Like, right, right. Um, it, it was, it was uh, yeah, anxiety watching him play down there on that court. Yeah, it was but, touch and go. Um, so I think if he can continue to do what he did tonight with, with Sharif out, he will get a chance. And if he goes out there and makes a spark in his couple of minutes here and there, then he'll continue to get, uh, Mac will continue to give him the call. Um, and after Shreve does get cleared, that's when it gets tougher. That's when you get into a numbers crunch there. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, I mean, at this point, you're still trying to figure out why well, later in the season could Trey Alexander be playing more minutes. Um, that that's, I think that's could be, is he the guy that grows as the season goes on and gets close to playing as like a fourth guard starter type off the bench or whatever. Um, so I, it's going to be tough to have um, a, a significant role for, I think, both Sharif and Roddy when they're both going to be healthy with the way that Trey Alexander is playing. Because mm-hmm. Max is not going to go a five bench lineup, a four, like four bench lineup very often. Um, he's going to ride, uh, he's going to ride guys like Hawkins and, and R2. Um, but I, I do think this game could be the start of Roddy kind of carving out a little role for himself. The other thing that's interesting, too, with Roddy is, like, he is still coming back from the ACL. I mean, you know, he told John and I tonight uh, outside the locker room that he's still not himself yet. Like, he's still kind of searching for, you know, the total – the player he was before his injury. Like, there's a lot of stuff that comes with it, like a feel – like, he just doesn't feel like he's the, he's the same player yet, and it's going to – it's just – he's still searching for that, so – as much and it, as he, and it looked like that on the court, like I said, yeah, like it kind of yeah. looked like he was searching, like, all right, what, what, what should I be doing? How can I, how can I make an impact here mm-hmm. um, in, in this games early on? Yeah, this one tonight should, I mean, 
when he watches the film to see what his impact was tonight, and you know, I and the coaching staff and Mac are certainly going to highlight it too. Um, like it's not, it's it's intentional. The praise that they're heaping on him tonight, they're trying to boost his confidence because with his confidence is like that's part of the process of coming back from an injury like that. It's like you have to believe in yourself first and foremost before the other stuff comes back. So, and especially if you haven't gone through it before, like I don't know his history. I don't know if he's had any other significant injuries before. Yeah, but so so there you go. That like that that first like coming back from that can be really tough. Yeah, and he's kind of working through that right now. And um, I think they were pretty excited about him last year before he he suffered the injury and what he was showing early on and what he could potentially have done for that team. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, So yeah, part two of the, so that's two questions in one, right? But part two of Danny Sullivan's uh, reply is um, what did you like from the second half adjustments Mac made tonight? Uh, I I don't feel like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For one. That was uh, the adjustment. Yeah. But like, again, the, the defensive end of the floor was all, player centric and it was effort based like and, and they did change up some things uh they i think they switched up the way they were defending a few things here and there throughout the game um but yeah ultimately i don't know that the strategic changes made as much of an impact as just the straight up player um yeah the, the individual changes by the players right and the, i mean like we've highlighted in these in these first like you know few uh topics here like Ryan Kalkbrenner's impact is just there's not there isn't a way to supplement it when he's off the floor he's off the floor there's not there's not a replacement for that so however you want to quantify it you know the way he impacts shots in the paint you know inside five feet uh honestly the other thing about his game is like he's a really good communicator yeah he, he he's a really good ball screen communicator like he's not, he's not, you know, he's not guarding. He's not like executing that gym recovers. Like he's not running out to the, past the three point line to, you know, to get the ball handler out to the half court, to mid court. But like he's really good at communicating that drop, those drop coverages. Like so, guys know what's coming, where where they need to go, where they need to be, and, and he's usually communicating early too. So, you know, as much as he's just like kind of waiting back there to you know, play whack-a-mole with, uh, with drivers. Like he's also good at like helping his perimeter guys, you know, understand what they're about to run into. So that helps them defend as much as like, that's the other part of defending the point of attack is just communication. Like, yeah. you know, Creighton was getting blown by a lot in the first half with him off the bench, off on the bench, like his communication in the second half makes it easier to defend the point of attack because you know, what's coming. So you know, there wasn't any like magic wand waving at halftime. It was just like they all just kind of had to understand um, the game plan a little bit better. And then with Kalkbrenner on the floor, the impact spoke for itself, really. So, yeah, that's kind of the adjustments were personnel based. Ryan Kalkbrenner being available. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, Kalen McGrath. Uh, chimes in with uh, watching a young team is tough, but what I love about this team is you never have to question their grit and stick with itness. I can get behind this good team. Good, good, yeah, that's a very good word. 
I can get behind this team, good and bad, a.k.a. they are, be, they are good at being a goldfish. Hashtag Ted Lasso. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – if you're going to have a young team that makes mistakes, you want them to have short memories about it, right? Like, where they can just – like, good and bad, you want them to forget, like, have a next play mentality to them and, you know, just bring their tenacity, their – that their winning uh, – mindset to each possession and the rest will take care of itself kind of thing. Right. Like that's somewhat how they've got off to this six and one start to the season. Yeah. And I think the key is just going into this with an understanding of what it is and realizing that you've got like the, the amount of returning high major minutes that you've got on this, this roster. Yeah. Uh, it, it, very very small compared to a lot of the teams that you're going to see this year mm-hmm. it is going to be a learning experience and it's going to be a, a roller coaster ride there's going to be some really rough moments and there's going to be some spectacular plays as well as these guys these guys kind of flash the talent that had them rated so highly uh, coming out of high school mm-hmm. so it it is yeah i think every coach would would much rather have a group like last year's team where these guys all know each other. They know exactly what you're going to do in every situation. You don't have to worry about them. You've already gone through this stage with a lot of those guys and everybody knows what the deal is. That's, that's not the case. Yeah. But if you can, I, I think if you understand that you can really enjoy seeing the growth of guys like Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Emhard. And, and all these other guys and heck Ryan Kalkbrenner, the, the, the progress he made from the second half of last year to what he's done uh, over the last handful of games now. And mm-hmm. I know uh, there were a lot of fans that were kind of disappointed with what uh, Ryan had shown early in the season. Uh, yeah. His first, his first two games, we got a lot yeah. of like what's wrong with Ryan questions. Yeah. 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 Um, and he's, he's been as important as any player on the team and played at an incredibly high level, high level on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last few games. So if you can just kind of focus in on the progress these guys are making and understanding the trajectory and where they're heading, um, I, I think it's definitely, uh, again, it's there's going to be a lot of growing pains, but you can have a lot of fun with this type of team too as well, as long as you go into it understanding what the deal is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good observation, Keelan. Uh, Dominic uh, Jasso, Jaso, Jasso? Uh, <laughs> he wants to know how fast are we going to age watching this Jays team? I'm I'm 36. How old are you? Uh, 29. Okay, so let's that say like Jacob. Forward. Jacob might have some. Jacob might have some gray in his beard by the time the season's over. A little. Well, bit. I, I already got a little bit up top. Oh, you do? Okay, congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, but- yeah, he'll he'll have a little. It'll it'll be more apparent by the like, for some of his uh, public appearances in March, you'll be able to see it um, a little bit more. Um, I don't know how much it's gonna age me. I've kind of like settled into this. Like honestly, <laughs> I, covered, I covered three Creighton games today, and they all had like insurmountable deficits they overcame <laughs> to be successful. It was a wild. It was a wild afternoon. They still let's see, the first the first game match tipped off at one. So there was uh women's basketball was down 
by 10 in the third quarter and they won by seven. Volleyball had a 18-12 deficit in set two. Then they whipped off an 11-1 run to take control of that and win it. They were down 10-5 in set three. They outscored Marquette 20-10 the rest of the way and wow. clinched, clinched that match. Um, and then men's basketball capped it off with a 16-point deficit against what I thought was going to be the easiest game of the night, ended up being the hardest. Uh, and they rallied to win that one with nearly flawless defense at the down the stretch. So I aged if – I, if I were still, like, engaged to that degree – and I weren't just trying to cover it from a matter of fact standpoint, I would have aged about 50 years today alone. So <laughs> maybe it's a good thing that I've like yeah. just stuck to like the reporting side of it um, as opposed to the like wholeheartedly invested in the, in the result part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, okay. I mean, that question ties back into the answer that I just gave for the last one too. And it's kind of along exactly. the same lines and, where I think it'll help you age less if you focus in on the journey and not necessarily the implications of every, when they do suffer losses, what it means long-term, like mm-hmm. seems so like even like see all the, all the reactions like live, whether message board, Twitter, whatever about uh, this, this, this team's so bad, um, all, all that stuff. It's like, <laughs> don't worry about what's going to happen down the line. Just take, <laughs> game for as for what it is try to see yeah. if they can make that progress from game to game and yeah. don't worry about playing villanova in, in a couple of weeks or whatever well, shit iowa state's coming next saturday so yeah <laughs> like, maybe they can start worrying then <laughs> well at least uh Crean has a point guard unlike memphis that, that's that's, that's this is true this is, and and xavier so yeah, yeah. Oh, gee. <laughs> shots fired <laughs> I'm just saying it was it was but, a nightmare. So, yeah, Paul Scruggs is a very good player who had one of the worst single games that you're probably going to see all season long. Yep, it was it was those, both those. Things. I don't know how many people were tuned into Iowa State Xavier, but I'm like, I was supposedly watching an all Big East caliber like combo guard, and it was not pretty. Was it's like, like one for fourteen with five turnovers or something. Like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> And he was dealing with a freshman most of the night, too. So it's like, uh, not boating well. I was impressed with the freshman, though. I was like, Tyrese Hunter looks like a, like a player. So that'll be a fun little battle with him and Ryan Nemhart when that when that date crosses. So Were you hopefully, hopefully the NCAA isn't like making Creighton volleyball play a home match at like 730 that night, for the love of God. So like cross our fingers to the sports gods that like you know, Creighton gets like an afternoon first serve or something like that, where it's not coinciding with that Iowa State game, because that's going to be a show. You know, Max Old protege, TJ Altsberger, a good Iowa State team. It's probably going to be ranked um, on Monday, right? Like, it'll be fun. The Tristan Anaruna game. The Tristan, he had what? He had nine points against uh, Memphis, right? Yeah, like he had a three, had a couple buckets. Like he was, he was making an impact. Yeah, the Tristan. Yeah, Tristan Arunas at Iowa State now. For people who didn't know that, um, let's see, uh, Patty. God, I hate trying to pronounce last names when they have like multiple ways you can go about it. So, like Gilger. I'm sorry if it's Gilger. What do you think it is? G I L G E R. What should I go with? Patty Gilger. Gilger. You're going with Gilger. Okay. I, I think that covers all their bases. Okay, fair enough. It's probably like Gilger. Gilger, like <laughs> Patty Gilger, Gilger. Is there an X's and O's explanation for the run that SIU put on us? 
SIUV, sorry, put on us. <laughs> um, yeah, Creighton was horrific at the point of attack. Uh, they took bad shots that led to easy runouts um, in transition. Uh, Creighton had opportunities to grab some defensive rebounds after some good first shot defense, didn't do it for a variety of reasons. One, they had it, and then it got taken away. You know, it was just like kind of a, it was all around lack of focus, I think, in a variety of areas that led to SIUE just kind of having their way with things. Yeah, I'm sure there were a few sets here and there, maybe an ATO um, mixed in there. When they, they, I mean, I think they run. ran some good stuff. Had, yeah, those, cro- some, those cross yeah. screens in the middle, that was really good stuff. Yeah. That's good offense. Yeah. It's hard to defend. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and they settled in and were and managed to get through their sets without getting too sped up and turning the ball over before they had a chance to get the ball where it needed to go. Right. Um, so that was, I think, yeah, I'm sure there were, and Mac did mention there were a few, um, again, coverage changes and things like that, that, uh, that they did make some adjustment wise, but ultimately it, it wasn't X's and O's like we kind of opened with, it, it was all about effort and decision-making and, um, all that kind of stuff that that made the difference in the game that's because crane you, you can't ex, you can't really explain the the disparity between one half and the other just based on x's and o's because no it, yeah there's was, no way that that would be wild, <laughs> would yeah. be wild if there were an x oh, Mac, yeah Mac just came out in the wrong defense and once yeah. they fixed that then suddenly it, they it completely <laughs> shut them out like Nah. Yeah, we, we were in the wrong coverage for the first 20 minutes. Then we just figured it out after that. Yeah. yeah. It usually, it, the correction usually comes quicker than 20 minutes. So yeah, there is, yeah. like I said, there wasn't some magic wand waving in the locker room. They just had to alter their mindset to the game, their approach to each possession. And that's when it changed. So, yeah. And, and these are college kids. And like, right. Yeah, that's fair. Like, sure. it's like, you never, that's, that that is part of it like the in terms of the internal motivation the you never know how a, a certain player is going to wake up on a given day and how they're feeling that day mm-hmm. especially coming off the trip they just made playing the three games in four days um then having a few days of practice and now you're back out there again uh, you just never know quite how guys are going to react mentally um energy wise like that's just it, if everything was predictable like sports would be boring we, we know. know all the, we know all college the results. Sport, college sports, especially because yeah. talent would win the day every time. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's just gonna. There are gonna be stretches where they, they just don't have it that day. They're just not feeling to start. And the key is whether they can find it, like they did in this game. They they found the juice. They found the energy to go out and do what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. Might not always happen in the the fourth. The, the the third game in five days or whatever against Big East competition later in the season. Um, there, there might be a scheduled loss here, there, whatever, but um, in this game in particular, they were able to find it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, our last one, this is from your friend. So I'm going to let you say his last name. How do you say Joe's last name? Subject. Okay. Subject. Uh, that's our last question of the night from Joe. Uh, most young teams, including Max Young, Jay's teams tend to lose close games. What do you think is driving this team's ability to consistently win close games aside from inferior competition? Uh, my inclination is that Hawkins is the key piece, but Nemhard is clearly a winner too. You can go first on that. Yeah, and I think 
I think he's right on the money there. We have, we, we already talked about Hawkins and kind of just the stabilizing force he can be for a young team uh, where you can go to him in the clutch and he can deliver or he can make that, that, that big deflection uh, on a defensive stand that, that prevents a bucket um, or he knocks down uh, three three-pointers in five minutes to put a game away on the road down in Lincoln. Um, he has been a big key in all of the, these close wins that they've been able to pull out. Um, so I, th- that he's definitely spot on there. Um, we, we saw uh, R2 with the game winner against uh, SIU. Um, that's obviously came down to a guy making a play. And they, they made a few other big plays down the stretch there, but that's the one that everybody is going to remember. So um, I, 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 I think Joe answered his own question, to be honest. Uh, level of competition, Hawkins as a stabilizing force, and then a guy like uh, Ryan going and making a play, uh, a big play like that as a freshman. I mean, yeah, like it's, he, he, you know, he picked the two – that are probably spearheading it, right? Like Ryan Nemhard played a like high level, a lot of high level high school basketball. Yeah. I mean, you were getting like that dude was getting everyone's best shot just for a solid two years straight. So, you know, there's a he he's kind of conditioned for it, you know, to 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 deal with adversity within that 40 minutes of, of time and have to, you know, come up with enough winning plays down the stretch to win a tight, tough battle. Uh, you know, Ryan Hawkins has three national championships on the, you know, you know, to his name. That's not easy to do. I don't care what level you're at. Winning's winning. You got I mean, the game, the game is won with the same type of plays at every level. Like yeah. it's all, you know, so he's, he knows what needs to be done in winning time. And I think that's why you've seen him make the plays he's made when Creighton needs to, you know, needs to be flawless on this possession. Like we got to get a good shot. Uh, we can't turn it over. Um, defensively, we got to rebound when we make a miss. We got to get out and run. Like all those kinds of things that are keys to creating success. He understands, you know, when it's time to really be locked in. You know, and then Alex O'Connell comes from, you know, he first of all, he was part of last year's Sweet 16 team. Um, and he played for Duke. So like he he understands like what it takes to win at a high level. And then Ryan Kaufbender played, uh, you know, on this on this uh, Sweet Sixteen team last year. Got some valuable minutes. Uh, you and know, learn learn some learn some tough lessons along the way. You know, in the NCAA tournament too. Uh, and then don't discount Sharif Mitchell either. Like he hasn't been on the floor the whole time, but that man's career so far has been, you know, watching a Big East regular season title and learning through through practicing with those guys. Well, and, and Matt, Matt credited Reef with a uh, with a lot of that comeback against Southern Illinois, and yes, he, he was he was out there a lot down the stretch of that game, and he played a big part in On them Lance turning Jones, that around. Right. Yeah, just yeah. like uh, Kalkbrenner played a huge part in them turning this game around. And that's the other key is they've had different guys step up, and yeah. and that's gonna have it's gonna have to be how this this team survives all season long because they don't have a guy that's gonna. They probably don't have an all Big East caliber player, uh, but they've got a lot of guys that have all Big East caliber potential down the line, and they've got guys that can uh, like uh, Hawkins that are going to be there every single game. That maybe he's not going to score twenty a game, 
but he's going to give you 10 and five and three steals and two assists and one, one or less turnover. Like that's what you can count on from him. So um, that's going to be the key for this team is different guys stepping up in, in, in different games. And we've seen that so far and that's how they've been able to make these comeback wins. For sure. Good analysis, Jacob. It was a pleasure having you on, sir. Thank you for being generous with your late night hours. Um, I appreciate it. And I appreciate it. And I know the listeners appreciate it too. That's going to do it for our breakdown of Creighton 70 to 65 win over Southern Illinois Ed- Edwardsville. Or I guess it's Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. Sorry. They want you to say it like, like that. No hyphenations. Um, yeah. Uh, so the Jays are back Tuesday night, I think, uh, against North Dakota State. Let me check really quick what time that is so y'all can plan your weeks accordingly. That is a, an 8 o'clock tip on Tuesday night against North Dakota State. It'll be on FS2 if you don't make it to the arena. And then Saturday, December 4th, will be the Iowa State game. That'll be at 8 o'clock also. That'll be on FS1 if you can't make it to the arena or if you're at DJ Sokol Arena watching the women's volleyball team. So, um, yeah, that's what to look forward to next week for the Jays when they get a week off before uh, they play BYU in Sioux Falls. So, you know, that that the North Dakota State game I think will be a tough one. And then, like, I, I kind of expect Creighton to play well in that Iowa State game because they're going to have opportunity an opportunity there during that week of practice to have like one good day where they just clean some things up on their own end without having to worry about Iowa state stuff that I think a day like that really helped their performance in Lincoln. Cause they had just that Saturday where it was just like, we're going to work on our pace. We're going to work on, you know, X, Y, and Z. We're not going to worry about Nebraska right now. We're just going to kind of focus on us. And it, it translated because a lot of the things that they worked on, I mean, first of all, they said it was like, to them to a man on the staff they all thought it was the best practice of the year so it helped they had a good practice but it was centered on some of the things that they weren't doing very well up to that point and not as focused on nebraska's part of it um and it translated in their performance uh on the road in a tough environment for the first time all year so yeah, that's why I'm kind of curious to see how they come out against Iowa State. If they, you know, if they get through this North Dakota State game, which I think is going to be tough, um, I just kind of expect every game to be tough with this team. Um, like, I don't take anything for granted at this point, right? Because they are kind of just trying to figure it out themselves. Um, this will be an interesting week. Like, this, these next four games before they have to face Villanova, man, this is a tough slate. I mean, I think I think people. This is, this is this goes to like why you shouldn't assess a schedule before it plays itself out a little bit, because I think you know you look at the schedule and you probably thought it's a little bit of a softer landing for a young team, and they should be able to rack up, you know, wins to build their confidence. Right. I think we're learning that it's not as easy as just like picking a team letting them come into your gym and then letting a young team kind of get off on them to build confidence. Right. It's a little bit tougher to, to win at this level. Um, And I think you're seeing some teams that are a little bit better than we thought, right? Like Brown is certainly better than, you know, your typical Ivy league team. Colorado state looks like one of the best teams in the country (laughs) certainly did that day. 
Southern Illinois was tough. Edwardsville was tough. Kennesaw State and Arkansas Pine Bluff were tough. You know, Nebraska was the first true road game. And then the stretch coming up, like North Dakota State's a traditionally good program. You know, Iowa State's on a roll. Uh, BYU's off to a good start. You know, Arizona State, you look at Arizona State, and you could argue they might be the easiest game in this slate coming up. And then, oh, you know, three days after you three days after you play the, the Sun Devils, you get to take on the preseason Biggie's favorite in Villanova. So this is going to be a uh, – a final exam of some regard for Creighton a little bit, right? Like a winner, a winner final to see what they're made of at least um, going into the new year, because it's going to be some tough, uh, some tough and interesting challenges, both from, you know, just facing teams that are really good and having good years so far and just challenging Creighton to be cleaner than they have been so far and more efficient for a longer stretch of time in order to be successful. So it'll be fun. Um, thank you for everybody who uh, chimed in with questions and comments and fed us some topics that led to some analysis here. Um, I always enjoy talking hoops with my buddy Jacob, so it was good to get some his thoughts on this year's team for the first time in depth. Um, we'll come back at you. I'm not really sure. I'm kind of complaining by ear on who's going to help break these games down with me. I certainly don't want to do solo because I don't think I do a very good job anyway, but so we'll find out who comes at you uh, with me um, after Tuesday night's game against North Dakota state um, coming up for the Jays this week though, uh, tomorrow night uh, at DJ's dugout on 114th is the volleyball selection show. So we'll find out if the Jays are hosting, which they should be. Um, I dare say they better be, uh, or that's going to need an explanation. Um, 30 and three, they finished the seat, the regular season in Big East tournament, uh, clinched a share of the regular season title with Marquette, and then won the conference tournament this weekend in Milwaukee, sweeping DePaul and Marquette out there to win their seventh uh, Big East tournament title in the last eight years. Um, so, yeah, their selection show will be tomorrow night at 7.30. Um, so uh, just go with to- Sunday. I wouldn't say tomorrow night because one, it's already Sunday because oh, duh. Morning, yeah, uh, one, one in the morning and people aren't going to listen to this before. That's uh, so so yeah. Sunday night selection Sunday night. Yeah, at seven thirty at DJ's dugout, one hundred fourteenth. Come down and uh, watch who your Jays are playing and where. Um, and then uh, so there, I think I think uh, if they're hosting, that means I think the women will women's basketball team. We'll be playing at uh, their Big East opener against Georgetown at the CHI Health Center. So um, that'll be a new little wrinkle. But, yeah, the Jays play Georgetown at noon on Friday for the Flanatics, who are 3-2 and two now, but 3-0 and oh when Jim Flannery goes casual. So we'll see what he opts to wear for that game. Um, I pointed that out to him tonight. I was like, you're 0-2 when you wear the dress shirt and 3-0 and oh when you go casual. So we'll see if he is superstitious or not. Um, so yeah, that's the week ahead for the Jays. Uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in and the questions. Appreciate Jacob for being generous with his time. Uh, we'll talk to you all again Tuesday night. Thank you. Have a good night.